Welcome to Is It Worth It, the self-worth podcast where we explore how different areas of our life affect our self-worth and how to build and maintain our sense of self-worth. My name is Roshni and I am a self-worth life coach. I help my clients discover their worth so they can stop holding back and start taking control of their lives full force. You can find my other free content under the name Beti Grew Up, that's B-E-T-I Grew Up, on Instagram and YouTube, and you can sign up for my free newsletter at BetiGrewUp.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, and thank you so much for joining me back on another episode of Is It Worth It? So I definitely want to just thank all of you who have been listening and keeping up with the podcast for just kind of hanging out with me while I figure out what this podcast is going to look like and just while I kind of work through the first season of this podcast. So I know that some of you have left reviews saying that you do enjoy the guest interview episodes as well. And I kind of started out with solo episodes and then jumped into guest interviews. And I always meant for there to be kind of a balance, but I just kind of found a lot of people through the article that I wrote on Medium and just made a lot of connections really, really quickly. And so in the span of two or three weeks, I had multiple interviews and then I wanted to edit those and get those out. So I'm glad that you have enjoyed the guest interviews. And if you haven't or if you prefer the solo episodes, please let me know. You can always let me know either through a DM on Instagram or through an email. All of that info on where to find me is going to be in the show notes. But I want to make sure that, you know, I'm supporting you all and giving you the best podcast I possibly can. And so I apologize for it being a little bit uneven and just want to thank you all for for hanging tight while I just figure it all out. But, um, I'm back with another solo episodes. I believe the next few episodes will be solo episodes. So it'll continue to give you a taste of, um, just the, the types of episodes I can have in this podcast. And like I said, I would love your feedback. And speaking of feedback, you all have left the sweetest reviews. Um, Someone said that I have been helping them get through some rough days at work and just in life. And so I really, really appreciate you letting me know. It's so hard with the podcast because it's so like intimate and familiar. And I'm like with you guys when you're doing things. But on my side, I'm just like talking to a computer. So to be able to hear your feedback and to know that I'm actually helping you or encouraging you or motivating you, that really, really means the world to me. And if you feel like I have impacted you positively. I would love to hear from you. Um, Even if you think this podcast could be improved, I would still love to hear back. So feel free to give me a review on Apple Podcasts. I would really, really appreciate it. And it will also help me reach other people who may be benefited by this podcast. So um, those are kind of the beginning announcements. And I also want to say I apologize for taking such a long hiatus. I actually hurt my wrist and I recorded this entire episode almost three weeks ago. And then all of the audio was really bad quality. I wasn't able to use it. And so since then, I had to just take a break um, with my injury. It was like essentially my entire right arm was unable to be used. So I had to just take a massive rest and step away from technology as a whole. So again, I also apologize for the unexplained gap in time um, between podcast episodes. I've just been uh, working through the through some things, but like I said, it'll be a lot better and a lot more of a smoother ride from here on out. So um, this episode and this week, I wanted to talk about 
vulnerability and self-worth and vulnerability. So throughout 2020, through, you know, putting myself out there in my business, through just writing and meeting new people and really just kind of pushing myself out of my comfort zone on a consistent basis, I've become really familiar with making yourself vulnerable and how scary it can be and how even if you are vulnerable in different ways at different times, it still doesn't take away the fear from doing it the next time. And so I wanted to talk about how self-worth and vulnerability are completely intertwined. And I actually wanted to start this podcast off with a quick story. So it this was like I think maybe five or six weeks ago, I got into a fight with my partner and I don't even remember what it was. It was like so irrelevant, but I was doing the dishes and just like angrily cleaning as one does and um, just kind of thinking and letting my mind roam on autopilot. And I realized that if I had it my way, I essentially would always choose to isolate myself. So what I mean is that after every fight, like I was kind of being aware of what my thoughts were saying. And I realized that, you know, there were a lot more patterns in confrontations or in conflicts or in fights than I'd ever realized. And not just with my partner, but also with my friends. And so, you know, just working on confrontation and working on setting boundaries is something that I'm trying to practice more and more in my life right now. And so I'm trying to be a little bit more aware. So I was kind of thinking after this fight, but also being aware of my thoughts. And so what I realized is that every time I've had a fight or a conflict, whether it's with, you know, my parents or my family or a friend or even my partner, I notice that at the end of that conflict or while we kind of take some time apart in my head, my thoughts are always telling me, run away, run away. Like this person is a bad friend. This person doesn't care about your well-being. This person isn't there for you. And obviously I can also take criticism. I've been able to, you know, understand when I do something wrong and I've been a lot better about, you know, being okay with someone telling me that. So it's not that I'm necessarily afraid of just, doing something wrong or hurting someone's feelings. Like I know that I'm capable of apologizing and repairing the friendship and moving on. But no matter what the situation was, whether it was big or small, there was a part of me that always wanted me to just be away. And I realized that if I had always listened to that voice, then I wouldn't have any friends. I wouldn't have, you know, a partner and I would be more isolated from my family as well. So the thing that I had to realize and what actually made the biggest difference was that I had to stop believing that voice and I had to realize that this was just a coping mechanism, right? This wasn't attached to that particular situation because when you're having thoughts, even if they are thoughts that you've had before, especially when they're thoughts you've had before, it's easier to believe them, right? That's why it's so hard to shift your mindset and why it takes so much work and intention because we kind of have like our thoughts are stuck in a rut. And so when you believe certain things, and your thoughts keep reconfirming those beliefs, for example, you're better off without friends, you're better off without people that care for you, I kept believing that and thinking that it was true. And for a while in my life, I really did cut a lot of people off. And in some ways, those were negative people, they weren't having the best influence on me, and they didn't really have my best interest at heart. And I know that through evidence and examples of how I was treated by them. But at the same time, I do wonder if I had caught some of these red flags before it got 
to how bad it got, then maybe I could have stood up for myself at that point. But in my mind, I was just being told, isolate, isolate, don't be around these people to the point that I didn't even confront them. I just kind of tried to go about my own way. And of course, that ended up costing me some friendships over the years. And so I wanted to talk about vulnerability and how it ties into all of this, because we often are thinking that being vulnerable is unsafe. So if I take my thought after a fight and my immediate thought is just be away from this person, that's obviously the easy way out. It would be much more vulnerable and much more difficult and much more courageous for me to say, you've done this and it hurt me in this way. It crossed my boundaries in this way and I really don't appreciate it and I'm not going to be allowing you to treat me that way. And that takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of maturity. It takes a lot of effort, but it's a lot easier to just say, you know what? Like X over you, I'm cutting you out of my life forever. But at the end of the day, again, if you're constantly leaving friendships, if you're constantly leaving things behind, then what are where are you going to be in the end, right? And that's why you have to confront these thoughts because a big part of what is there to protect you might tell you that all people are dangerous. And when you have a thought like that or a coping mechanism that is trying to protect you, it will frame it like that. It will say all people are dangerous, not people are dangerous when XYZ happens. It's really that primal initial state of protection that's just trying to keep you safe. So you can't blame it for trying to make it as easy as possible for your brain and just turn it into a blanket statement. But when you're conscious of blanket statements like that, you can realize the ways that you are pushing people away or the ways that you are reconfirming that you are incapable of healthy relationships. And this comes up a lot with people who have trust issues. Without realizing it, you might try to test people or you might try to push their buttons or show up late a few times to see how they react. And that can give you information on whether they are going to put up with you or not. And if they don't, it's almost easier to say, oh, okay, yeah, well, they didn't want to be part of my life, so I'm just going to stay away from them too. But you don't realize that that's actually a pattern of pushing people away. And the core of that pattern of pushing people away and having these habits that aren't so fun to be around is that you can then protect yourself from being vulnerable. You can then protect yourself from really being seen. So when I'm dealing with this recurring thought of wanting to isolate, not only does it happen when it comes to new friendships or new connections, but it also comes up when even with people who I have loved and trusted and who I have a history with. And so that's when I also realized it was the problem. It wasn't attached to that particular situation or to any specific evidence. It was just a part of myself telling myself that I would be better off alone. And so I had to investigate that thought a little bit further. And under that thought was really fear, right? And so what I feared even more than being alone was actually having to confront that my position within a relationship was threatened or feeling like someone would take their love or their appreciation or their gratitude to have me in their life away from me. And so I felt like I would immediately kind of feel defensive and feel like I was being attacked because to me, it wasn't about the problem. It was this overlying threat that 
the relationship or that person was going to get taken away from me and they were going to judge me and decide that I wasn't good enough. So what ends up happening is that we ultimately are protected from that rejection within that relationship, but the reason we're protected from it is because we are rejecting them first. And so instead of having to deal with the pain or the self-confrontation of what it is that you could be doing wrong, instead of having to deal with that rejection, you can just push people away first. And even though it's difficult to be alone, sometimes it can be easier than going through the hard route and actually confronting yourself and doing that work. And the craziest part of all of that is that even if we go through the rejection ourselves or do that first, we still are ending up with the exact same end result, which is that you are ending up alone. And then that thought, again, fuels how you go into future relationships. You think this person's going to leave me, this person's going to abandon me, this person's going to betray me. And so you have that thought. You walk away from relationships, you push people away to reconfirm that thought, and then you're back in this cycle again, and you're never going to be able to start trusting people or start joining relationships or friendships wholeheartedly because there's always that fear in the back of your mind, and there's kind of that self-motivation to isolate. The definition of vulnerability is to be susceptible to physical or emotional attack or harm. And that can be perceived as uncertainty, as risk, or as emotional exposure. So relationships are actually the perfect example of a way in which we can display our fear of vulnerability. So in my example of running away from conflict, I was displaying my fear of vulnerability by not wanting to talk about the situation, by not wanting to be wrong, and by not wanting to face rejection. And so because of that, I decided it would be easier to just run away. So that fear of vulnerability kept me shut off from my relationships. So now I want to zoom out a little bit and talk about Brene Brown because you can't talk about vulnerability without talking about Brene. And I wanted to mention her research study and her TED talk on vulnerability and shame. And if I were to boil down her entire you know, TED talk and all of her research into a simple explanation, it would really just be that vulnerability is at the center of shame and fear, but also at the center of love, worthiness, and connection. And so we have to talk about shame and the role that shame plays in us wanting to isolate and wanting to avoid vulnerability. So Brene defines shame as the fear of disconnection or the fear of not being worthy of connection. And in her shame research, she essentially was able to split the participants into two categories. Category one was the people who had a sense of worthiness, love, and belonging. And category two was the participants who believed they weren't good enough or weren't worthy of love and belonging. So when she researched further into group one to figure out what was so different about these people, she found that the people in group one simply believed that they were worthy of love and belonging. So this is how self-worth always has a role in what your external circumstances become. Because when not only do you question your own worth, but you may also question the worth of your relationships. And by not working through simple struggles or fights or little disagreements, you're again proving 
to the relationship, to the other person, and to yourself that the relationship itself is not worthy of being worked through. It's not worthy of going through these hurdles. It's simply easier to just throw the whole relationship away. And so when you are allowing yourself to believe that, when you're hiding from these confrontations, when you're running away from small fights, when you're not setting boundaries or not standing up for yourself, when you're showing up resentful, all of those little small ways are ways in which you are allowing yourself to believe that you are not worthy of love and connection, thus running away from it instead of heading into it even deeper, and, and you're allowing that to re-manifest in your external circumstances. So when it comes to pushing people away or you know, shutting down so that we don't have to be vulnerable in front of others, there's a number of ways that this can show up in our lives. So I have a list here, and one of the ways that this shows up is just by not forming connections with new people, not reaching out to make new friends, not trusting other people, isolating yourself as soon as you have a fight or a disagreement with someone, pushing people away or acting out in a way that will dissuade them from wanting to be around you, taking on toxic habits that you don't really even want to do because it's easier than losing that person, creating chaos and drama constantly so that people don't have to get to know you, and even demanding perfection of yourself or demanding perfection of other people in your life or those relationships can be a massive way in which you're protecting yourself from vulnerability. And some smaller ways that you might do this is always being sarcastic and never talking about the real goals and dreams you have, being afraid to even set goals because you don't want to fail, judging others for going after their dreams and their hopes, constant negative self-talk and self-judgment anytime you want to do something that other people might not approve of, and people-pleasing everyone around you, even at the cost of your own health or sanity. So a lot of these are things that we're much more familiar with. And these are all ways in which we can protect ourselves from being vulnerable. So if I talk about how this manifested in my example that I used at the beginning of this podcast, I would always believe those thoughts that told me to isolate myself because deep down, I didn't believe that I was worthy of good connections. I didn't believe I was worthy of maintaining friendships no matter what. I always thought that there was something I could do that would get the person to stop caring about me or stop loving me. And when I realized that it wasn't a legitimate fear of mine, that's when breakthroughs started happening because I had to realize, okay, this is actually me pushing this person away and this is me choosing to believe that my friendships won't last. So if I start approaching this from a different perspective, believing that I am worthy of love and connection, just like Brene's, Brene Brown's research stated, then I'm able to fight through little disagreements. I'm able to not believe that voice that tells me I need to isolate and instead, I've been able to develop deeper friendships and new friendships. And I've been able to maintain those and feel trust in those and feel like I am loved and cared for in a reciprocal way. So when you genuinely change your thoughts and you genuinely change your mindset around being worthy of connection around being enough in general, then all of your approaches become different and it's easier to get into that growth mindset.
this is when you can start to allow yourself to be imperfect in relationships as well, because you still believe at the core of it that you're still worthy of those relationships. And so you allow yourself to stop policing every little detail, to stop worrying about being perfect, to stop worrying about saying everything exactly the right way and doing everything as you should, because you're opening up that door to say, I'm imperfect and I can still show up in this relationship. And that also allows you to be vulnerable because you're the most vulnerable when people can see your flaws. You're the most vulnerable when you are imperfect. But when you are allowing those things to show, not only does that become your strength, but it emphasizes, again, your belief that you are worthy even regardless of your imperfections. So returning back to Brene Brown's research for a second, in the group of people who believed that they were worthy of love and connection, were also able to have meaningful connections because they lived authentically. Living authentically really just means that instead of following rules because of what society has told you to do, you actually just embrace who you are. So when you're allowing yourself to be seen despite society's expectations of who you should be, you're able to make genuine friendships because you're not wearing a mask and you're not presenting as someone different. Even if you're able to wear that mask perfectly and everyone from your coworkers to your friends and family thinks that that's the real you, you still know that that's not the real you. So even if you're able to do it perfectly, you're still stopping yourself from making a genuine connection because you're forcing yourself to be in this certain box or to present a certain way in order to be loved. And by making that shift, you are telling a part of yourself that who you are when you don't present in this way is not worthy. And when I talk about wearing a mask, you know, some people may think that that means that you are super fake or anyone wearing a mask, you know, you can spot them a, a mile away, but that's not necessarily the case. Wearing a mask can present in much more subtle ways as well. So that can include, you know, just hiding some of your hobbies or hiding a lot of your interests, um, instantly categorizing yourself and everyone around you. And this was something that was a habit of mine, especially in college and in school. I always kind of saw myself as like an outsider. So if I had to choose a group or sit next to someone in class or if I was at a party, I wouldn't just go straight to the middle of the party or to the most popular kids. I would kind of be in this fringe circle around all of that action, right? And so even by making that instant kind of judgment and category about who you are and where you should belong and who everyone else is, you're kind of creating that mask situation by limiting yourself and saying, I already know I'm here, so I'm just going to stick here and that's what I'm going to push myself to be and reinforce in myself. And so um, another example from my personal life about just not presenting as my full self or kind of subtly wearing a mask is that in college, I was completely unable to tell any of my friends embarrassing stories about myself. And what I mean is that, you know, my friends would, you know, constantly mention something embarrassing that happened to themselves in class or at a party or with a person that they liked. And for me, I would never share those stories. And that was actually a massive moment of growth by the end of my college career when I was able to open up at least to a couple people about something embarrassing that happened or a time that I failed. Because for me, it was so painful to allow myself to be seen in that kind of authentic way. 
and to be seen in such a vulnerable way. I wanted to be someone that didn't make mistakes. I, I just didn't want to show my weaknesses was really part of it. And I was so unable to do that. But all of my friends who did talk about their embarrassing moments, those things drew them together. And that's exactly what Brene Brown says when it comes to shame. She says that shame cannot survive being spoken. So as much as I was sitting in shame about those embarrassing moments, whether they happened to me, you know, that week or happened to me a few years ago, I just wanted to isolate myself because I felt like I had a greater shame than everyone around me. But part of the reason why I had that shame and felt so strongly that, about that was because I, I wasn't speaking about those moments that brought me shame. I wasn't airing that. I wasn't allowing myself to bond over other people who have felt the same way. I was completely cutting myself off from being authentic and from sharing those parts of myself in order to protect myself. But all that really did was emphasize again that I felt alone. And, and if you dig into that core thought a little bit deeper of why it was so fearful for me to share those moments of embarrassment, it's because underneath all of that, I believed that if I share this, they'll be able to see that I'm not good enough. They'll be able to know that I'm not perfect. And when I'm not perfect, I'm unworthy. Another massive piece of this is that we associate vulnerability with rejection. We often assume that if people see the real us or if people are able to see you know beneath the mask or beneath the veil that they will just be disgusted by us or they will be completely turned off or that something about us will just be so repulsive to them that we will lose the friendship that we already have and a lot of that also comes from that shame that we hold within us so a lot of us, if you are raised in a Christian or a Catholic home, if you are raised in a kind of like a fundamentalist religious home, if you are raised in a type of culture or a type of dynamic that you always have to perform, you have to deny your human side, you have to not make mistakes, anyone who's raised in that kind of culture will intrinsically have a lot of shame, especially when we bring religion into it, because a lot of religions, especially Abrahamic religions, teach us to be ashamed of natural human things or teach us that, you know, in one context, something's okay, but in another context, it's completely vile. And so with those kinds of messages that we're getting, we may have layers and layers of shame that we haven't looked at or haven't investigated for years because we're taught that it's so dirty and so so bad and we all feel like we're hiding these giant secrets. And like I just mentioned, ironies of all ironies, it's that shame and those experiences in which we've felt shame that will bond us even closer. And so it's really important to investigate what that voice says, just like I said I was doing at the beginning of this podcast. What does that voice tell you when you feel like you are in the position of being rejected? What does that voice tell you when you want to put yourself out there or you have a new idea or you have a new goal in mind that you want to work towards? What is that immediate voice that comes up for you and tells you that you shouldn't do it? What are the reasons that it gives you or what are the examples that it brings up? And investigating that will really help you figure out what are my fears at the core of this. And by understanding those fears, you're able to take a more rational mind to them and ask yourself if they're really true or if they're just kind of coming from that primal emotional place of past experiences without necessarily needing to be true and valid towards the future. And a prompt that I can offer you is 
the question, why do I think that vulnerability and rejection are synonymous? Why do I associate vulnerability with rejection? And just explore that a little bit because you may get insight into a particular situation or a particular experience that you had that is causing you to feel this way. But one experience from your past should not be projected over your entire future. It shouldn't cause this cloud over your head that you can't escape from, right? And when you put it in the perspective of one thing happened to me when I was a kid that embarrassed me when I put myself out there and so now I don't want to anymore, that is something that we can look at as adults and say, okay, what would I tell my kid? What would I tell my best friend in this situation? I would tell them that it's okay and that it's worth it to go after their goals and dreams because they may find something beautiful along the way and they'll become this person that they are so proud of and is so much stronger than when they started. And that also helps you kind of reinforce that beautiful growth mindset of saying, hey, I'm a work in progress, but I'm also worthy. I'm worthy of being a work in progress. I'm worthy of being imperfect. I'm worthy of having this goal and being someone that is working towards it. And I'm worthy even if I haven't reached that goal yet. And I'm worthy if I never reach that goal. And that allows you to open up these doors to work towards something and to make progress and to allow yourself to be vulnerable in multiple ways. And the reason that I'm bringing up goal setting in this is that vulnerability is also tied into setting goals because we don't just experience vulnerability in relationships. We experience vulnerability anytime we try to put ourselves out there. And that's exactly how I felt, you know, the first six months that I was making Instagram posts or, you know, under my business name. And it still comes up for me a lot anytime I do something new in my business. You know, it's a lot to put yourself out there. It's a lot to act like you are, you know, an expert or like or to believe in yourself enough to think that you can help people. Like we all have these same fears that tie us all together. So the more that we can talk about these fears and express these things and allow each other to be vulnerable as well, the more that we can continue to reinforce that we are worthy of being imperfect and that we are worthy of being vulnerable. This also presents when it comes to overworking or overachieving or even people pleasing because we think that if we go above and beyond at work on every single project then there's no way they can't notice me and they can't appreciate me. If you think if I do everything that this other person wants from me, if I buy them gifts and I give them compliments and I show up every time they need me and I'm there when they call me at two or three in the morning every single time and we keep putting these expectations on ourselves thinking that it's going to make us foolproof or thinking that it's going to allow us to not be vulnerable because we're doing so much from the beginning that now someone else might owe us something or they can't reject us because we're so valuable to them. And that never works because all it does is it puts you under this constant pressure to perform. It reemphasizes that mask that you're putting on yourself by saying, this is not who I authentically am, but I'm going to perform and perform and perform so that I become someone that this person can't live without. And sometimes we also want to make other people dependent on us a little bit. And it feels good to be needed, but it's a different thing to be someone that other people constantly depend on for basic basic things. And outside of, you know, your children, that should not be the case. And there's two main reasons why overperforming and trying to be perfect will never work. 
One, it's because it's never going to be sustainable. You will constantly be worried about making a mistake or missing something or, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's just going to, even if you never make a mistake in your entire life, you will eventually exhaust yourself and overwork yourself. And I can speak from experience because that's exactly what happened with how my arm got injured so badly. It's because I wasn't giving myself any rest and I was overperforming. And the second reason is that you will never be perfect. And that's really the core is when you're putting all these expectations on yourself, the list never ends because as soon as you meet one expectation or one goal, you move to the next. You may have had multiple different salary goals or income goals throughout your career, but once you hit one, you don't say, okay, I'm done for life. You move on to the next one. And so as many expectations as you currently have, you'll keep multiplying them and it doesn't matter how many goals or expectations you put on yourself because you will never be able to fulfill all of them. And even if you've done everything in your power to work th towards those goals and have a perfect life, there are other people in your life. There are other things in the world that will still be imperfect. So when we have all of these goals and all of these lists and these requirements of what we need in order to start living, you will essentially never start living. You will always be putting off your life and be putting off certain decisions or certain choices for the future because you're cons consistently trying to prove to yourself that you are worthy and you're getting stuck in this loop of trying to find reasons to be worthy that exist in your external space creating this like whole goal or this whole system of how you're going to achieve that goal and get to that point and then it just starts over because you're never making that massive move and that massive shift to believe that you are worthy and that you are enough just as you are but if you're able to set goals or you're able to work towards things, knowing that you may well never achieve that, knowing that achieving those goals is irrelevant to your current self-worth and that you can believe that you are worthy now, that is going to unlock your life. That's going to unlock, unlock the magic of the future and unlock all these beautiful gifts in your life because you're changing your emphasis, not to say that when I reach this goal, I'll be worthy or I'll be good enough or I'll have another leg to stand on, but you're instead saying, I'm worthy enough to be imperfect, to try something new, to make myself vulnerable. I'm worthy enough to stand up and look rejection in the face and say, I'm going to do it anyway. And you're really able to dig into that internal power and that motivation and that fire inside of you to say, it doesn't matter what anyone else says. It doesn't matter if I achieve this. I'm doing it because I said I'm going to. I'm going to fight for this relationship. I'm going to fight for this goal. I'm going to fight for this career change that I want so badly because I know I'm worthy of the difference. I know I'm worthy of the change. And the reason that over-planning and over-preparing can actually hurt you is because you're blocking yourself off from being in the present moment. And when you're in the present moment, that is ultimately the most vulnerable that you can be. Because in that moment, you're not able to stand on the goals or stand on your plans for the future. You're not able to, you know, look towards what you're going to accomplish to justify why you're worthy. When you take all of that away, everything that you've accomplished in the past and everything that you hope to accomplish in the future, you're left with the raw essence of who you are. And when you can 
believe that that raw part of you is worthy, you become unstoppable. So even when you are in the pursuit of new goals, you can stay present in that pursuit and you can observe your journey along the way. And when it comes to creating external circumstances that are not your current circumstances and when it comes to manifesting things for the future and all of that, you can actually still be present in this journey and say, oh, this is how it happens. This is how it unfolds. And how cool is it for me to have a front row seat in all of this? But if you are constantly over planning and over protecting yourself and trying to figure out every little detail and have everything in your life be completely predictable, not only will you not be able to actually meet those changes in the future because you're not leaving room for them, but you also won't be able to enjoy the journey and enjoy everything that you've learned. Standing at the top of the mountain doesn't necessarily mean as much as the hike getting up there. Yes, it's beautiful. Yes, you can take a moment and reflect, but really what you're reflecting on is the entire massive journey and all the little trouble spots and the easy areas that you were able to get through and work through and how much stronger you feel now because of that. So with that part of you that wants to live in the future and that wants to have everything planned out, you are taking yourself out of the present moment and you are not allowing yourself to be vulnerable because you already have one foot out of the door from your life in this moment. You have one foot, you know, looking towards the future and maybe one foot looking towards the past and you can't even find yourself in this moment. And for most of us, when we think about our goals, we don't think about them in a vacuum, right? We think that we're going to have this family or we're going to have friends that care about us. We're going to have this community and this support system as well as reaching our financial goals, as well as living in the area and in the kind of home we want to live in, as well as driving this kind of car and having this kind of experience in your career. And so when we look at the fact that we do want other people to be in our lives, again, bringing it back to relationships, if you're not present in the moment for those relationships or for those experiences with your children or whatever it might be, you won't be able to recognize your manifestations when they're coming true. And a lot of the times when we are recognizing our manifestations or we're realizing that we're living the life that we once wished for a lot of the time that happens in small little moments like when I'm you know having my coffee in the morning and I look over at my dog laying in the sun and my partner playing guitar I'm like wow I really manifested this but without being present in that moment I wouldn't be able to recognize that that manifestation has come true right? And so even in the future, even if you have met all of your financial goals, you don't think of yourself as having money, but being alone and being away from everyone and suffering from loneliness and depression. That's usually not anyone's ideal vision of their dream life, right? And so if you're not able to be present in the moment in your relationships and you're not able to recognize those small moments of those manifestations coming true, then what truly is the point of setting these goals? So just to wrap all of this up, we really learned that vulnerability, while it does invoke fear and shame within some of us, really it's the key to true love, connection, and joy. And in order to access that aspect of vulnerability, we really have to reimagine what vulnerability can look like. So a second prompt that I can leave you with is how can I reimagine vulnerability and how can I allow vulnerability to be something positive in my life. So 
answering these prompts and taking some small steps towards being more vulnerable, whether that is sharing an embarrassing story or maybe opening up about something a lot deeper with someone that you know and love and trust, these are ways in which we can kind of surpass that barrier of shame and instead allow it to bring us closer to these meaningful connections. So thank you all so, so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy this podcast or feel like it could benefit someone that you know, please share it on Instagram and tag me. I am at Betty Grow Up. Or feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you do want to take all of this work on self-worth and vulnerability a little bit deeper, feel free to visit the show notes on more information on how you can work with me. My books are open for the remainder of December and well into January, so you are able to sign up for any of my services right now using the links in the show notes. Thank you all so, so much again for listening, and happy healing!